0: everybody! Welcome on in to another episode of CLT Bytes. I am Bradley Jacks, your host, and I have with me Dylan, and he will introduce uh, himself and his
1: business. What's up? So my is Dylan Sanat uh, I'm currently the owner of uh, Strange Gaming or Strange LLC. We have a couple different subsidiaries within the company. We do production. We kind of pseudo run a garage. And we have a few other elements as well. Um, that's pretty diverse. And then. Uh, hopefully a definitely interesting history for this show
0: <laughs> yeah that'd be sweet <laughs> um so what drove you to become an entrepreneur in the first place
1: um for me uh, i started really young um my parents weren't very well off so i was pretty motivated to uh you know be in a better spot than they were because um, you know kind of struggling as a kid's never fun um and you kind of see for like sure. you just see a lot of stuff you don't really want to see when your kid in that kind of position it was one of those as a kid i didn't want to know, obviously be there. So I kind of thought to myself, well, if I ever have kids, I don't want them to be in this spot. So it really drove me heavily young. Um, so I started like, I kind of started my first company in sixth grade. I was buying and selling paintball guns online, um, on eBay. (laughs) And then I kind of transitioned in high school was buying and selling cars. And then throughout college, I've sold apps, I've sold companies, um, made apps, websites, whatever. Um, just always kind of different things. Uh, I really like technology and I really like helping people. So really hard for me to stay on one project for a long long period of time oddly enough strange has been around now for about seven years which is easily the longest thing <laughs> I've stuck with um, that's crazy so it's been it's been an interesting road
0: man that is like a lot that's yeah. I don't know if uh, I don't think that's gonna beat out any guests I've already had or that I've already like tailored out to to ask to be on the show but that is a quite a, a resume there <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely, it's definitely, different. Um, I could definitely see. I had a couple, where I guess it was just one guy that did the same thing with the high school and the cars. He was always buying some and just putting a little bit into it and selling those yep. out. But yeah, man, sixth grade—that's a—that's that's a good start. Hey, it, it's at least you uh um, run knew that you were getting getting out of uh, that that area you want to be in or didn't want to be in, I yep. should say. Um, so how long have you been in Charlotte
1: Uh, so I moved here for college Um, initially um, my original plan was I was gonna go to Charlotte for a few years for um, computer science and then I was gonna try to move overseas to do chemical engineering chemical and biomolecular engineering Um, so I was gonna move to Germany about halfway through Um, I was originally going to NC State I transitioned and went to Charlotte to play baseball Um, I thought I could walk on and you know give baseball another shot that was like the sport i was really good at um and doing that i, I somehow ended up in charlotte and uh, <laughs> i haven't left yet which is pretty wild um kind of anticipated by now i'd probably be in like la or new york but you know charlotte's kept me here so we're <laughs> yep. still here
0: yeah and uh hopefully with um definitely with the way your company's growing, it feels like you're gonna hopefully be here for a little while to stay and grow that Yes, uh, CJ and
1: some others are definitely trying to uh <laughs> keep, trying to keep me here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can see why. I can see why. Um so uh during since because you you're probably gonna have like one of the longest experiences, so you probably had to deal with a lot of these switching up uh, different ventures, but how did you handle any negative Nancy's or Debbie Doubters that you had along
1: the way? Um it's definitely challenging, right? Like and I think toxicity and like you know, negative people are definitely something you, if you can, you should try to, you know, obviously not like be an a-hole, but try to like separate yourself from them as much as possible. Um, because like, you know, that mentality can wear on you. There's a really cool quote that I saw pretty recently online that was something to the effect of like, whenever you're shopping for a new car, you, you really haven't seen it that much. But when you purchase the new car, it feels like you've seen it everywhere. Um, that's nothing but situational awareness. It's like you weren't looking for it before, but now you are. So you see a ton of it. So imagine how impactful that can be if it's negativity. Like, if it's something oh, yeah. you're looking for, you're going to find it, right? Um, so I try to stay as positive as I can. I mean, obviously, especially given the world right now, it's it's definitely difficult. Um, but just trying to stay positive, trying to keep the right mindset and surround yourself with other people who, you know, are, are trying to progress themselves and, you know, keep that positive outlook.
0: Yeah, that's um definitely, like you said, with how times are now, it is just, like, that that is happening everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like everywhere you turn you can find it if you're for whatever reason trying to look for it
1: yeah i mean unfortunately like you know curating like your social media like twitter and instagram and whatever you're following like you know you can follow unfortunately a lot of news sources right now and you're gonna get a lot of you know maybe at times less than accurate or you know maybe extra aggressive or extra sad or Mm -hmm. extra hateful or whatever it is um. are so just trying to you know make the content you see and hone in on like as focused and hopefully as positive as possible like most of the people I follow usually have really positive outlooks I mean mm-hmm. they obviously I hope <laughs> tell the truth for the most part but um, if people are super negative or just hateful or whatever I, I just try to look past them or unfollow or whatever
0: mm, yeah that's um that's a good tip um, the man I was following I was trying to remember this one news source it was for Charlotte before COVID, man, they always had like these upbeat posts and stuff like that. And then once COVID happened, it was like all they wanted yep. to focus on because it was going to get the numbers.
1: Sure. Was, yeah, and, I I mean, was like, is. and I was like, and I was like, unfollow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the issue is, um, unfortunately, negativity brings a lot of, a lot of views and a lot of eyes and a lot of attention. Um, that's why, like, you know, for better or worse, like news sources like Philip DeFranco, I really enjoy because mm-hmm. they tend to give you both sides of the equation. Obviously, he has his own opinion and his own bias, but he tries to convey the information unbiased and, in the end, give you his opinion, which, you know, whether I agree with him or disagree, at least I can get good information out of it. It's mm-hmm. like you'll see, you know, the same headline for the same article 10 different ways, and, you know, half of them are, you know, almost a misquote and, like, misleading. You're know, like, dude, I, especially when you know what it is, that's the worst part. Oh, like yeah, yeah. In gaming, like, you'll see a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, like this, this, and this happened. You're like, dude, I, I know what happened, and that's not it.
0: <laughs> it's like, uh, was definitely in on the know on that. <laughs> yeah can't try and spend that for me anyway so um, as you were going through all your um, different ventures were you choosing those based off of like the money at the time or was passion also involved especially in the uh, earlier on ones yeah
1: um, I mean the two biggest factors for me uh, throughout my career have been um, I'm super competitive so I went from when I was a young athlete I was I was very I guess, popular among athletes, so it was like I was really highly recruited. Um, Then I got hurt, so then when I walked on in college, I thought, like, you know, we're back to competition. It's takeover. It's we got to win. And then, oddly enough, through the baseball team is how I found Call of Duty, and Call of Duty, I basically implored my same strategies from real sports to practicing to drills to work ethic, so I became really good at Call of Duty really quick, so basically, I went from not playing the game to my, my first competitive event like, 90 days. Oh, um, that's pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was from like you know November to the end of January, and um, and that was really fast paced. But it was just competition, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't like I, I didn't care that Call of Duty was big or a small eSport. It was like literally like, oh wow, this is like baseball. I can compete. Like there's a chance I can win. Here's how I win. I've got to be these kids to win. Um, and then the other element of it has always been like. Um, trying to, I guess, fill the void that I didn't have when I was younger. Um, Mm -hmm. Like when I was coming up with, uh, when I was first grinding really hard in high school, um, I had a couple really cool ideas, but I had no way to make them. I'm from a super small town. Like I graduated with like about 130 kids. So um, I had a really cool idea when I was uh, about 15 years old and I really wanted to make it. So I didn't, I had no idea how to do it. It was a piece of hardware. Uh-huh. Um, so when I wanted to make it, I like you know reached out to everyone I could, everyone I knew that knew anything, um, and it basically just got me to a point where like I just hit a wall of like oh yeah you just need money like you can't do it you don't have money or whatever right. Uh-huh. Then a huge like uh, motivating factor for me and uh, earlier in college was that I I tried to do what I could do because I knew there was a lot of stuff that you know you either need a ton of money, you need really good developers, and I was a bad developer, <laughs> um, or you needed something that I didn't have. So my thought was. I'm going to air quote make it, and then one day I'm going to try to set up an incubator so that I can help the kids like me. Um, I think in eSports now I've unfortunately or fortunately shifted to that old man who's helping the air quote youngsters a lot. Yeah. Um, but, but I hope in business I can take a similar approach of trying to, to a degree, maximizing the numbers and going after the easy wins. Um, I want you to secure enough of those, being able to bring up as many people as you can
0: yeah that's uh you're definitely bringing in a lot of them under your wing from at least what i can tell with uh what little bit of what i've seen every time i go to an event there's different people behind and uh i just saw some of at least this year some of the new people you brought in so that was pretty cool and uh yeah definitely wishing you the best on that end the um next question is more about what has influenced you were there like people or books that influenced you in your methods
1: yeah i mean i I read a ton um and i've always been very fascinated with entrepreneurship and i've always been very fascinated with business so like when i was in like elementary school to all the way up to high school um i was like actually had forbes like i subscribed to it so (laughs) so i'd read those um and i'd read any and everything i could um i was definitely like probably the worst little kid to be around. Cause I was the one that asked why for everything. Cause oh. I, just, I just needed to know, <laughs> um, just always being curious. Um, and when it comes to like now, like, you know, we have the internet at our disposal. So I think a lot of people get trapped in trying to find the answer, but not understanding the solution, which is a benefit for a lot of people in the space, because if you're a person that understands the solution and can solve a problem, then you're going to be much more valuable than the person who just knows the answer because they don't even know how to get to this. They don't know how to get there. They just, just literally know that this is the yeah, answer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think just trying to read as much as you can and understand as much as you can and trying to understand the why to things, not just that, Oh, this is this because of that. It's like, well, why is it that way? Like, how <laughs> did we choose? This is OBS is the best, but why? Yeah. Or whatever, the, whatever the situation is.
0: Yeah, that's Uh, that's an interesting, um, thing to, to hear that the Forbes subscription since since a kid <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I was Anyone like know? I've I had a popular mechanics and popular science subscription and that started about sixth grade for me yeah but the Forbes I was like I don't think I remember even seeing those even in our business classes uh, or uh, extracurricular activities like yeah. DECA or something like that never really saw those so that
1: that's pretty that's going to be a unique one for me. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird kid like uh, I mean I actually had a couple magazine subscriptions. It was like Forbes and then I think every week or bi week, I don't remember where they came out, but I got Auto Trader and Cycle Trader because I was buying and selling cars and then mm-hmm. um obviously had like, you know, the like the Chaparral magazines and the uh I think it was like Hibbet Sports or something like yeah, that. It Hibbit was Sport. another magazine that had all of the uh, like all the new baseball gear in it. So Oh yeah. Um so I would get all that stuff and try to figure out like Oh, or the new, you know, A Rod shoes gonna sell out. Kind of buy those and sell them, and then keep a pair.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's like it's like I'll buy them and, and then keep one for myself, make some profit. Yeah. The and actually um, right
1: now, um, I'm actually reading the Creative Selection. Uh, this is a book on uh, the design process during the Golden Age of Steve Jobs. Oh, I've I'm definitely
0: on top of what you've already mentioned. Well, I think you've pretty much mentioned magazines up until now, but the book. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna add that because like. I love reading anything Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. That's like those those guys were just
1: yeah, instrumental uh, for sure. Yeah.
0: So, um, the best way for, that you have to interact with customers and vans.
1: Um I, th- I think being as accessible as possible is always challenging. Um I personally, like this is going to sound wild considering the industry I'm in, but I'm actually I would much rather be isolated than popular, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand that it's necessary given today's age. I was actually literally just joking with my girlfriend earlier today of like, you know, I hope at one point, like when I actually retire, like for good, when I'm really old, it's like, I hope I can just walk away from social media and everything and just and just be gone, right? Uh, but in today's world, it doesn't make any sense. Like no matter how much I, you know, kind of want to be away or kind of want to be private, like it, it doesn't make sense at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's something that's definitely really challenging because – You know some people want the attention and they want to be popular um i think those people are really fortunate because it's it's definitely challenging um but so i think that you know like on twitter like my dms have been open forever so whether you follow me or not like anyone can message me on twitter i have people message me about the car project i did earlier this year still um and ask me like you know how'd you do it whatever and i just chat with those people and just just being nice and i mean obviously you're gonna have people they're toxic and not (laughs) nice but yeah for the most part like you know if somebody reaches out to you give them the time of day and it's it's not gonna take anything out of your day and it could make their day so
0: yeah yeah i definitely like that approach and i definitely like the whole like you just don't want to become like viral yeah popular like viral popular i feel like i'm just like I,
1: personally i wouldn't be able to deal with that <laughs> if that ever yeah, happened that was- that was uh oddly enough the forbes thing ruined me when i was a kid um i like knew all the billionaires and like every person who was really wealthy and like how they got there and like i was always curious about how they did it but then i towards <laughs> the end of high school it was like i started realizing it's like oh well if i kind of want to be like them that means i'm going to be in this magazine one day yeah and that means there's going to be a kid like me who now knows everything about me They're
0: yeah like, i don't know if i like that <laughs> it's like it's like oh yeah i like some privacy <laughs> yeah. so um what is the number one key to success in the market and fields that you're in? Well, I guess technically
1: well, yeah. there's um, two I think, different fields yeah I think today um, I think today it's still effort I think that's going to expire inevitably um, I think like if we're talking like YouTube and content and gaming um, you've really not seen too many people dominate effort like most of the people who have manifested a lot of popularity now were either really talented at a video game or they're you know one of the originals like the the original Twitch streamers are all some of the biggest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or sometimes they have a shtick, like I guess maybe not a Twitch streamer, but Dr. Disrespect, wherever he's going. Um, You know, they have like a shtick and and those guys like, those guys are really creative. It's really hard to compete with those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, But everyone else that can make it, like it's just purely effort. It's scheduling, it's time management. It's the ability to to set a goal and focus on it. Um, I, I think we're still probably got maybe another half decade to a decade left of that once that's kind of expired it's going to come down to you need to be the doc you need to be that creative you need need talent you can no longer get by on just effort but for today i mean anyone can make it like i know i know everyone says that but like in today's world especially with the way youtube and i mean people are making their full-time jobs on tiktok or instagram or, yeah, Vine that's or like whatever like it's mind-blowing it's crazy
0: <laughs> it's mind-blowing that 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 is a conceivable way to just drop whatever yeah, that you're sure. doing and like, boom, this is now my full time job. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, of course you want to lead up a little bit of time into that. You don't want to just be like, yeah, that's it. I'm starting to take that tomorrow and I'm doing it because it's probably not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so do you have a, um, number one customer
1: success story? Um, kind of, but not really I have a cool example that I think would be a little unique. Um, so in Call of Duty, because that's I competed in there for a couple of years, um, I still manage and help advise on some competitive teams, um, some top of tier AM teams that, you know, they could still make it into pro tournaments if mm-hmm. the league was a little differently. Um, but I still kind of manage and advise those guys, and um, usually one of the biggest things that matters in that industry, which is the big reason that I'm a huge advocate of production, is you know putting your face on the screen, right? The, the way a lot of these top-tier pros, especially in esports, make it are, you know, they have a good run, somebody sees them, but you have to be in front of people to be seen. Um, so last year at COD, the COD finals in Miami, we normally don't sponsor teams very often. I normally do a better job of placing them with the right party to hopefully yeah. um, make a long-term contract, um, but so we, we had a couple guys that I work with and that I'm buddies with, and they needed somebody to be under, so we brought him in under Strange, and we ran him for a CDL Miami Finals last year. Well, uh, very early on, we got to play the number two team, and our guys showed up. They were on main stage, people were watching, it was on stream, and like two or three of the guys like really played well, right? Well, one of those guys ended up getting picked up by a pro roster for the next event because he got seen. And yeah, it's, that's... It's as simple as, like the kid was always good enough it's not like I mean I didn't do anything (laughs) to make him any better right yeah but um he just got on camera and he was like he was on stream and he slayed out and he played really well um and that's why I think production is a, a very missed element maybe it's not the most valuable thing but like it's valuable for the players and the people involved um and stories like that aren't possible if there's not you know side stations and you know B stages basically um and that's why I'm a huge advocate for that I think if you want the Am scene to grow and you want more unique stories and you know more diverse backgrounds of these kids you've got to get an opportunity and if not you're gonna have the same pros one or two new people will squeak up every now and again but it's really it's really recycled content at that point
0: yeah yeah that's um that is a I think that's a actually really cool story for one <laughs> that uh, you were able to provide that opportunity for somebody who were like Yo, we need someone to be under to be able to compete in this yeah. so <laughs> and then you're just like I know how to make it happen for you guys yeah <laughs> um, so what are some of your lessons learned from starting and uh, I guess just from a production
1: standpoint um, I mean I joke with a lot of my guys about this but um, I always say you have to make 50 crappy videos before you make a good one mm-hmm. um, but a lot of that again is something I iterated before and that's effort um, no matter what in the beginning nobody's good uh, sure, some people are going to have more natural talent than others. Um, I joke all the time and say that, like, I've got to be one of the least naturally talented people there are because I feel like most of the things I do is just because, you know, I, I work really hard and I hustle really hard and, like, I put in a ton of effort all the time. Um, but there's people that are obviously way better than me, and I think, you know, maybe they have more natural talent than me or maybe they work harder than me. Um, but that's why I think, like, you know, the biggest element, in my opinion, is still going to be is, – is effort and just – you know setting the course you're not going to be su- you you shouldn't be successful overnight some people get that some people get lucky like that like mm-hmm. the people who stream on twitch and get hosted in their first week and then it's their full-time job in a month oh yeah like that's... then you have ninja who it took you know five six years to get popular
0: oh yeah like like ninja and mr beast are probably one of the or a few of the ones i know that like it just took them years of just being yep. consistent and, and Mr. Beast preaches all the time. I mean, he started with like what an iPhone 4 with his videos. <laughs> yep, I
1: mean, especially today. Like, I, I joke with one of our guys the other day. We were shooting some photos in the city. And um, I, yeah, I did an internship, photography internship, when I was in college. Um, and my mentor was awesome. And he'd been shooting for like 20, 30 years. So, like, he taught me a lot of the traditional ways to take photos. And still, and this was about 2013, I think, um, it, cameras hadn't really progressed quite as much as they had now, especially in phones. So like for us to shoot those really cool shots of like the car light trails or like mm-hmm. you know blurry water and long exposures and all that stuff, like we had to use um we had to use like third party tools we had to use uh, intervalometers and we had to uh, like basically use this device to take photos for time lapses or we had to shoot long exposures and math out and how much light we needed and just test it right. Oh man! <laughs> but then we were going out the other day and like. You know my buddy has an iPhone like me, and he you literally shoot the photo and you swipe up and you click long exposure, and it just does it.
0: Yeah, it's it's so like, crazy, it's crazy, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it, like, just to be able to have that at your fingertips, and then like, I wouldn't say like, no, it's a possibility, but just it's feasible that, like you said, you just yeah. blow up overnight because of something sure. you did creating content. Um, so what are some approach methods that uh, you've used with partners or investors. Well, I guess if you've even done that before.
1: Um, so, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with this, but at the beginning of the year, I launched a project where I basically, I got a Tesla Model 3 for free. Yeah, how uh, do you do remember that? Basically, uh, I reached out to a whole bunch of uh, big companies, and they basically sponsor the car. Um, my whole pitch to them is the same thing I would tell anybody in the space to do or try to do. Um, and that's provide more value for them than they're going to get out of you. Like always over, like always overperform. right? Like you obviously want to give people, y- you want to be the best value. Mm-hmm. Like imagine if someone gives you a million dollars and they think it's the best decision of their life. Like both of you are going to feel like rock stars, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I think too many people get caught up in, you know, you have to win. And I think everybody can win. Like, for example, like some of the companies that we work with uh, for the car deal, um, the projections for the car was about 10 million views for the year. The cost of that, if you're wanting to do it from like an advertising standpoint, is probably around 20 grand on the safe side. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were going to do it for less than half of that for pretty much everybody, right? Yeah. Um, so, one, you know, they're getting double what they're paying for, essentially. And then two, at the end of the day, I'm getting a free car. So, like, I'm obviously getting something and then I'm going to get exposure and help with them. So, like, everybody wins. Nobody loses in this situation. They get basically half off advertising mm-hmm. i at the end of the day get a car and then they help build my portfolio um and help build you know the strange production the portfolio um so nobody loses and i think too many people get caught up in like especially if anyone has a history in like selling products or cars or whatever you get like caught up in the yeah but if i sold it to them for five grand more i'd make more money it's like well that that hurts somebody right you're not yeah yeah you're not finding them the best deal you're not finding them the best car for them at that point you're you're just trying to win when if you both win everyone keeps winning like we don't we don't have to make losers we, we can all win
0: yeah yeah I, th- I feel like the more win-win scenarios you have more than likely you're gonna end up probably more successful than someone who's just like a no I win
1: <laughs> yeah and, and I think being able to prove that value to others is always challenging and basically there are times especially in you know the production world in the video world like you know doing gigs for free like while it sucks like it builds up your portfolio. Like it's a win, right? Like at the end of the day, like we didn't need to do ads for a lot of these companies, but we're going to do ads for them because A, maybe they like it and they want to run it. And how cool would it be if, you know, GoPro ran an ad shot by us? Like that'd be crazy. That would be Um, awesome. But, and if they don't like it, it's one of those things like, Hey man, this is a nice sentiment. This is something extra they didn't need to give to us, but they did anyway. So like, you know, there's no negative to it. Um, I always joke. There's no negative to being positive. but I think that's a real sentiment and that's where I think the you know, always going the extra mile and always trying to, you know, be worth more than your people pay for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. That uh that definitely resonates with me. I like that a lot. Um and that's actually kind of a consistent thing that I hear with uh with doing this show. So that's like really really cool to hear. That there are definitely like mile. I won't say milestones, but there's definitely like the same markers have a trend. Yeah. Throughout this show, that's pretty cool. Um, so, with the production side, um, did you research that at all before you took the leap, or did you just kind of shoot off with the company?
1: <laughs> um, so it's it's a little bit odd when um when I started, first started playing video games competitively, it was like I said before, just a competition. I wanted to win. I didn't care about content. I didn't care about YouTube, Twitch, none of that. It was like literally dylan wants to win that's all i want <laughs> um then flash forward um i took a little bit of time off uh the cod community and the cod scenes kind of challenging to uh continually compete in So i took a little bit of time off and i was actually working on an app and that kind of took up a lot of my time in college so i focused a little bit on making uh making an application some other things so i took about a year year and a half off um but when i came back uh, one of the guys i used to work with um was doing really well on youtube um we used to be part of the same organization. His name is T Martin. He's a pretty, pretty big size YouTuber. But back then, he wasn't quite super massive yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was still pretty big. And he was telling me about how he's making money on YouTube and like how it worked and like, you know, I was completely ignorant. So I was like, "Hey, I don't, I don't understand this at all. Like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. like you just drop out of college. You do what?" Um, <laughs> so um, I was trying to figure that out. Um, so I kind of went down that rabbit hole, and then I realized like, "Oh, wow, this is like, this is something I'm basically already doing. I might as well try it." So I, I got a decent amount of success, and that was right before the PlayStation 4 came out. Um, and then I started doing like uh, technical reviews, and I, I really like technology, so it was really easy. If like company that signed me on YouTube was doing like reviews, so they would send me keyboards and other things to review. It was like you know just a series of like you know weird kind of ways mm-hmm. that I went pretty early on. Um, but so I had a pretty good like footing in my opinion of you know kind of what works streaming, what works on YouTube. Um, I got a little bit of experience there, and then. Um, like we said before, I kind of got, I kind of got spooked at some people adding me on LinkedIn and like, I was still kind of chasing this whole, uh, web development, app development, and like professional career as well. Mm-hmm. And when I play video games, I'm, I'm a little more aggressive and toxic and competitive. So like, I didn't want those two worlds to necessarily be related. But I decided that a lot of my friends and a lot of the people I knew wanted to make gaming a career. Um, whereas I really didn't, um, I'm, I wouldn't mind it from being behind the scenes, but I don't want to be, ever be ninja or doc or any of those people, right? But a lot of my buddies did, so it was, I'm gonna start helping those people increase their production quality. I'm gonna start helping them do that, and I want to help them make a career out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so over the next couple years, uh, we helped sponsor some teams and we did some other stuff, but for the most part, it was kind of helping our guys make it. Um, yeah. And our and our group of friends and family, so to speak, uh, we kind of expanded and grew. Um, and then that kind of transitioned into more of, well, then we started kind of helping the scene. I, I ended up meeting CJ, one of the guys you work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I literally I saw a tweet on like Tuesday and y'all's event was on, a, I think it was that Friday or Saturday. And he basically told me, hey, you know, we're doing this. And I was like, cool. Hey, I can help you out. Um, We've ran a couple online tournaments before. we ran a couple of land stuff before. Whatever you need, just let me know. Um, and then from there, it was like seeing the opportunity and being able to help you guys. It was much more of... Like I said about the, the Miami event with yeah. our players before, like you know, giving these players an opportunity can change their lives, and that's something I would absolutely love to do. And I think not a lot of people do it. At, you have people who spend a million dollars to produce a Call of Duty event, and then you have ones that are free. Yeah, and that's it. Like that's the that's the difference in production value. And in my mind, not just necessarily from a profitability standpoint, but from like literally a viewership and a playership player standpoint, like the whole middle is open. And and I thought that sucked. So, you know, no matter how good of a tournament, you know, CJ and CLT Esports could produce, yeah, it, it doesn't matter if no one online can see it or watch it. Like, the players could be happy there, but, like, you know, that's not the same opportunity for the players, for the sponsors, for the team owners, for all of that. So just trying to make that uh, opportunity better for everyone. So we did a couple events with you guys, and then from there, uh, we had a couple other kind of big opportunities come up. Um, and then kind of at the beginning of the year, I decided, like, hey, you know, some of our guys are really good with the camera and stuff like you know let's make a real run for this and then over the past couple months we've been gearing up a little bit more than in july we kind of at the beginning of this month we started our soft launch for strange productions and then you know throughout the rest of the year we'll hopefully be ramping up a little bit more into that but it just kind of it's one of those things where i guess we kind of did research but a lot of things have been happening in this path for a long time but it's just Mm -hmm. finally came to the point now to where it's like like you know we can't not do this anymore like
0: it's like uh, this this side of the business we were offering is getting a little big. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like uh, it was actually, I think it was the My Computer Career. I don't know if that was the first yep. event you did. It was. Oh, okay. Well, it was like there, like, the, like I showed up. Uh, the tournament hadn't started yet. Some of the uh, teams were still coming in whenever I got there. And then, like, I saw the booth in the back, and I was like, what's that? Because that was like that yeah. was my first like land event because anyone i've tried to go to before that always got canceled or i couldn't go like last yeah. minute changes so like i went over there and i was like oh what's this <laughs> <laughs> and like i was like man that is so cool and then just like uh then i i can't remember what the next event i'd seen you guys at but this it was last probably
1: be okay the victory lane one
0: yes yes it be okay that one was like i was like oh man this is like an even bigger step up to this yeah. and then then we had the one at Boxman in March, and I was like, right before all yeah. this happened, and I was like, yeah, this is so awesome.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was really wild. I, I joked with CJ about it. The, the first one at uh, my computer career, like, we came on Friday. Like, I was literally just going to come and help out setting stuff up. Like, I didn't know anything about what was needed, really what was going on. Um, I actually knew some of the, I guess, the players that were probably a little better than me, but the, the lower-tier pros or, you know, highest-tier am players that were going to mm-hmm. be there. So I, I saw them that they were coming, and I think that's how I saw the tweet um i was like okay cool like you know i'll see if these guys need any help i, I thought i would just like set up tables and help set up some playstations and the CJ was like yeah you know i don't really know how the production stuff's gonna go I was like i mean <laughs> i could help if you need it and then yeah so then for the v- the vok one um we kind of knew about that i joke about it but we knew about it like two days in advance that time <laughs> it was really like a week but, yeah uh, we really could only set up the day before um so that one got a little better and then the boxman was the one where we kind of knew about it pretty early on so we actually got to plan we set up lights we you know we did everything it was it was a really cool time um and that's more of the stuff we were kind of transitioning towards but um covet obviously yeah plans for some of that
0: (laughs) yeah unfortunately because i was looking forward to i don't know if y'all were going to do the rest of them but the like that was supposed to be the first of like the four events for the year and i was like man i was like just the just in that time frame like the few events you were involved like the production evolution was just like crazy and of course that that matters to how much lead time you had into the event yeah but like i was just like man this is gonna be legit (laughs) um so have you guys ever used any paid ads or promotions at all
1: um we haven't actually um i've actually i don't know that i have ever specifically like individually for a company that i owned or um, any of that ever actually used paid ads not that i'm against them by any means uh, mm-hmm. i just never really made sense um one like like for example right now like we're we're pretty close to if not already completely overworked so we we don't really need to bring in anything else mm-hmm. um but for the most part it's uh, i try to gauge the market and i try to you know kind of see what our value is and see what it kind of looks like out there um instead of trying to bring a lot of eyes at early um like, the approach I like to look at is, like, if you have a YouTube channel, and if your first video is super viral, and people go to your channel and they say there's no other videos, then what are the odds they're going to stick around, right? Mm-hmm. So you probably shouldn't advertise the first one. But then, say, you know, when you've got a good backlog in, then you should start making videos, and maybe that's when you start advertising. Um, and that's kind of when I think it makes the most sense. But you, instead of advertising, you could do something a little bit more organic, and um, but that just comes down to how you feel about organic versus inorganic growth. Yeah. I think inorganic growth can be very good and very useful to you know, to get investors, to do paid promotions, to do those kinds of things. Um but it also like you know, it puts a little bit extra stress. Maybe maybe you don't level up as well, maybe you're not ready. Maybe your business was really built to make, you know, a hundred grand a year, but it's not built to make a million a year. Yeah. It's not bad and that doesn't that doesn't mean you lose or anything like that. Like you're making a hundred grand a year, you're <laughs> yeah. well. Um, but, it, but some things just don't scale very well, so I've never been in a position to where I, I needed to get big, um, so we've always just kind of stuck with the organic path.
0: Yeah, that's, um, I feel like it, it's definitely like businesses that are probably close to that, like, million dollar mark that would ever have to use it, um, yeah. just, uh, like, like they're, they've been scaling, and they're like, alright, that's it, we like, we need to get bigger like
1: who are many i also think it depends heavily on like you know it depends on the market you're in right like if i made a video game obviously i would need to promote the video oh, game yeah. but yeah that's <laughs> i mean maybe one day i'll make a game but <laughs> i don't see it in the near future um and i think certain businesses it can totally make sense um like i mean obviously like food drink all that stuff and a lot of services that make sense i think it would make sense for our production end but you know we got to scale a little bit and get a few more people in there before mm-hmm. we need to do that
0: yeah um so what are some approach methods you had for reaching out to like other businesses or people for ideas of improvement?
1: Um, I mean, I reach out to people probably much more than I should, um, but I reach out to people on, you know, one in the spectrum of like, you know, I follow a lot of photographers and videographers and content creators um, and whether they acknowledge me or not, like if I see something I like, I tell them I like it. If I see something I think is cool, I tell them I think it's awesome. Um, and if, like, like, I still like cars a whole lot, so I follow the, the car scene here. So we got a lot of photographers that, and videographers that shoot the cars, that go to car shows and everything. Um, so, like, I, I recently, like, the other night, I saw a guy shooting photos in a spot near another spot that I know that not a lot of people know about, but I saw him shooting there. I was like, hey, man, and I, I like, I of the map. And I was like, if you go right here, this is a really cool shot. The train goes by, you get train tracks, it, like, it looks kind of desolate, like, this is kind of the mood or whatever. Um, and it's just one of those, like, that's something he that probably didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. And probably not a lot of people know, but it's something that could be really helpful or beneficial to him. Because like I said before, like, I think if that guy takes more cool photos of Charlotte and the city, then that does nothing but help us all. Um, I, I I don't dislike people who uh, try to, you know, be as private and concealed as possible. Like, I get it, business is competition. And, you know, sometimes my business takes business from your business. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, if all of our products are better, we all win. The clients win um i think just trying to you know stay engaged with the the community and look at them less as competition and more as like you guys are trying to level each other up like it's not like i have to beat you it's more like why don't we just both be better yeah Um, yeah and i think that you know acknowledging success and acknowledging cool stuff and giving advice where you can because no matter your degree of success you can probably like i could probably watch a full feature length film and be like you know maybe it's only one scene but in one scene it'd be cool if they would have done this Yeah, yeah. I mean obviously like a famous director isn't going to acknowledge any of us but in our competitive field it it makes sense right like if I see for the gaming world for the most part other than like the ninjas of the world like if you see a streamer no matter how big they are if you give them advice they might listen and that that might help them Um, and it may open up a connection that you never would have known you had before
0: yeah um, and that's like uh, that last part is something that I used to do to streamers that like I was like always watching and a part of their community before I even like t- uh, tried to do it myself just to see what it was yep. like because I was like I game all the time let me just see what it's like so that way I can like put myself in their shoes but and um, m- most often they would they would like appreciate the feedback um, yeah. instead of just being like uh, you could just like not be a dick. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> I I also feel like to a degree a lot of people get starstruck. I think that's where um, I think that's where I am in a weird position, right? Like, like when I was a kid, like I was around like some really decent athletes, so it wasn't like I never got like starstruck or like it was never like, oh my God, this Chipper Jones it was like, oh that's the, you know he plays yeah. for the Braves, cool, right? <laughs> I mean he's a cool dude, don't get me wrong, but um like I was never like you know starstruck or like an all or anything like that. And in gaming, like in the beginning, because I pretty much didn't play video games almost at all um, until I was about 18, 19 years old, Um, just because I was like super into sports and I was really busy. So like playing games and watching TV is is just that's never did it. Um, So like mostly by pure ignorance, I had a couple opportunities uh, in the early years of like, you know, I would be talking to like some of the biggest people in esports and like I didn't know who they were really. Like to me, like Nadeshot was just a kid that played Call of Duty that I wanted to beat. It wasn't like he's Nadeshot, he's the big YouTuber guy. It was more of like he's on envy or optic or whoever was on at the time and it's like oh i mean he, he's good but like i want to beat him and whatever i'll talk to him about hey you did you rotated on this map really well but why did you you know why did you go to p3 before p4 mm-hmm. that's a weird move or whatever right um same thing one of my buddies uh actually like linked me up with c9 nothing back in the day oh. about some <laughs> graphic stuff to like help him with a stream overlay and stuff and it was like i didn't know who he was i was like oh this guy's nice <laughs> and uh whatever, <laughs> so it's like, it's like cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think I was fortunate to be yeah, fortunate to not be starstruck. I mean, these people are humans to any degree. Mm-hmm. Just, they just have more followers on Twitter than other humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And keeping that in mind's hard at times. But and I'm certain those people, you know, they get berated by people that are their fans. And you know, when you put anybody on a pedestal above you, then you automatically show that you're looking up to them, and that's that's not always a good look. I mean, obviously some people have we should we should celebrate people's successes mm. but people air quote aren't better than anyone else so just because he has a million twitter followers doesn't mean that he's some ungodly human like he's he's got a first name i'm certain yeah and yeah he he probably still likes his mom a lot <laughs> <laughs> he's not
0: like the rest of the world is dead to me because i'm on You're top. Right. <laughs> you yeah know, and they usually end up appreciating that like when you like treat them just like a peer yeah. instead of like you know like <laughs> yeah. So, because uh, I mean, I've had that happen several times. Um, just from being in Charlotte, uh, I didn't realize that a lot of like stars or like pro players, even from other teams, would be around all the time. Yeah. But like like oh my god, so and so's over there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, just talk to him for a couple minutes. It, was, it, it happens. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's yeah, like you can you can probably talk to him longer if you didn't do that. <laughs>
1: you probably have a conversation with you. you weren't weird.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, given the point of, like, how much you have had exposure in the scene, at least for eSports anyway, uh, how did you handle any sabotage advice that maybe, like, another company gave you or something like that,
1: and you just knew? Um, I—, I- I just don't have too many good examples in esports, which I hope continues to be the case. Uh, (laughs) We're a little better in this industry than some others. Um, I actually saw a lot of this in business and technology. Um, Mm. I made a couple apps and a couple websites throughout the years. um, And everyone's very quick to tell you what's wrong with it. Not everyone's quick to tell you what they like about it. um, And just trying to kind of see through it. We actually wound up uh, I made an application, and I ended up selling it to the company who is a, is a board game, right? Mm-hmm. It's a weird, you know, like it's like chess with superheroes, basically. Um, and um, I ended up creating an application that I thought was better than the company's application that literally made the game. And uh, I reached out to them very early on and was like, hey, um, can I have access to your database? I, I think your app could be better if it did A, B, C, D. I'm going to make an app. I can help you, whatever. And they basically didn't acknowledge me. And then a couple months later, um, my app was more searched on the iOS store than the name of the game. Oh wow! <laughs> um, and it was like in August of a month. So then, like, they it was so stupid. Is they literally replied to my email from like I think it was April in August, I'm like four months behind. Like, hey, uh, you know, we heard about your app and you know all this other stuff. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I know, I I definitely reached out. Mm-hmm. Um, but so um they basically tried to like kind of back me in a corner and like scare me away um and i just wanted to see it through And i was like nah at this point i was like i'm in the driver's seat i'm gonna win like you're, yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're reaching out to me because you're gonna lose um and then uh like i joked before but i'm not the greatest developer so actually i'd kind of made a bad design choice in the code and i was working with a mentor at the time for entrepreneurship and he basically was like you know we could run a bluff here they're gonna probably buy your app and they're gonna to get rid of it because they had basically had said they weren't interested in buying my app uh but before i would go public with it they wanted to see it one last time mm-hmm. and so basically i just had messaged them and like you know honestly full of bs because we knew they would not ever use the app I was like hey look we're about to go to market here's all the features here's what we're gonna do and they're like hey hey, whoa, whoa whoa, whoa, we want to talk
0: <laughs> yeah um,
1: yeah <laughs> so uh we wound up coming up with a deal and they actually wound up acquiring the app from me and it was I knew a hundred percent that they were going to sync the app, but a part of me hoped that they would add those features to their actual app. And they never did. Um, oh, I man. actually, I thought about this, uh, cause I had like, I think it was a three year deal to where I couldn't do anything in the space. It mm-hmm. was part of the sale. I thought about it like literally three years in one day starting work on a new app because <laughs> <laughs> they never did it. Um, but it, at times I think it's very see-through. Um, if people are willing to help you and want to give you advice for the most part, uh, I would say they're trustworthy because that's at times a rarity in business. Um, Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is just, you know, not depending on one person too much and not depending on a group of friends too much. Uh, Certain some of your gamer friends or people you know from real life, um, you know, they might like, for example, like eSports. Like, I know a lot of people whose parents and families and friends are like, you're never going to make money in eSports. It's like, cool. There's been years where I've probably made more than you in eSports. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) for sure. I I disagree, but... (laughs) You know how about we try to come up with an idea that you know is productive and positive Um, so I mean I think getting you know multiple opinions is really big Um, but I hope eSports stays in a better spot than business and everything else business tends to be a little bit more ruthless um, and a little bit more cutthroat and I don't think the mentality of everybody wins is quite as shared there
0: yeah yeah I can definitely see that for sure Um, the next question if my dog stops barking, <laughs> um, that probably means uh, it's food time for him. Uh, so being a production company, what aspect? I, I feel like it's a pretty straightforward answer, but like, what aspect did all this COVID mess uh, impact you the
1: most? Um, oddly enough, positively. Uh, we. Oh. Um, <laughs> So, obviously, some of the stuff we did, like the, the QCLI Rocket League Invitational here, um, we, we had more stuff like that slated. We were working on a couple other semi-big deals um, at, like, some big conventions and a couple other things. So, e- even bigger than that, scaled wise we had in the books. Um, uh, not officially signed, but it was basically more of we were more in the stage of planning what they wanted versus if it was going to be us. It was already going to be us. It's just, what do you want for this? Yeah. Um, and we had a couple deals on the table for that, but you know, obviously those conventions would have already happened at this point in the year. Um, so they didn't happen. Uh, so we did lose those, but because everything shifted online and that's kind of where we started. And that's a really, that's where I think we win, right? Like, you know, the companies that are willing and able to put on a million dollar production in real life, like it's hard for us to compete with those guys, mm-hmm. but, their online stream we can compete with and nobody knows the difference and like it's it's very hard to distinguish you know the quality we can produce versus the quality a really high in production can produce mm-hmm. um from an online perspective so because of that we wind up having to do and getting a ton of work around you know a lot of amateur leagues a lot of you know off-brand tournaments and we, we do a lot of white label work so we'll work with you know bigger name companies to produce their event because maybe their producer's gone, or maybe that's what they do. Some of the companies use different uh, production companies Mm -hmm. and will just source out, because if they have two events on a weekend, you got to have most likely two companies to do it. Um, A lot of them don't work in-house, so because of that, it's ramped up our production end a ton. Um, We already had had a couple uh, commercials and stuff to do with the car, so we had a, a pretty big backlog to begin with a lot of the real life stuff kind of got slowed down because not being able mm-hmm. to go out. So yeah, it's made us much more busy now because we have a smaller timeline to get some of that stuff done and then during the day and weekends and stuff we're doing a lot more productions. So we're not doing land events which um, tend to be the most monetarily lucrative mm-hmm. um, but we're doing a ton more stuff. So it's like <laughs> we're not getting the big wins but we're getting way more small wins. Um, yeah. So it, it's definitely got its pros and cons. It's also been... The most trying and challenging thing has been that, you know, not being able to go to events. uh, I travel a ton to events, and I have for the past couple of years in eSports. So, like, Call of Duty, I'll probably go to, you know, about 10 events a year um, where, like, CDL events where I travel to. um, Mm -hmm. And then I do packs and all that other stuff. That's where I meet a lot of people, and that's where I meet a lot of people we work with and a lot of clients, and that's where I meet a lot of guys that we end up bringing on um, because it's very easy to meet like-minded individuals that, you know, 100,000 people of you. Mm -hmm. Um, So without those, it's been very challenging to kind of, you know, get those new faces and those new opportunities. Um, So we've been trying to maximize the ones we previously had. Um, But all in all, I don't think it's been bad. Uh, It's probably been the worst for me because I like to play sports and go outside and do stuff. Mm -hmm. But other than people's mental health, I think it's been pretty much all good for us.
0: Well, I mean, that's really awesome to hear because I don't – for some of the people, I wouldn't say it's like – one way or the other for most of the guests I have had or plan to have it's kind of like probably 50 50 or probably like 60 40 on the side of like it probably impacted their business in a negative way versus a positive yeah. way but yeah it's pretty awesome to hear that like you are somewhat getting offset on that because
1: yeah Um and I definitely think that um I think the good thing is I always joke on uh, me and one of the guys we work with or me and one of like my closest partners that I work with like over a decade now at this point, basically. Um, Mark, me and him are very much, um, we solve problems, and that's why I think we're the best at. Um, it's like if we don't have a good streaming solution, we literally make one. Like we couldn't figure out how to do something we wanted to in overlays, so we used Unity, which is a game-making application to make an overlay system to trigger events for us. It was wild, that, right? That is awesome. <laughs> but so I, I think that, you know, we're fortunate to be, we're fortunate to be solvers and we're fortunate enough to be, you know, we just want to problem solve. I think that depending on how fluid your company is and, you know, depending on your company as well, like it's very easy. And for a lot of really good companies with really good business ideas and really safe models are getting impacted by this. And it's, it's no fault of their own. Um, and it's, it's really hard to be, you know, fluid and prepared and especially Mm -hmm. inside. Like if we were a massive company, like I can't imagine what, you know, um, obviously esports engines is really big um, but those guys they were just hiring a ton of employees they have offices they have spaces they have yeah. all this other stuff and it's like and then you tell people they can't come into their office for two months it's like well how are you going to record the show when the set is at the place you can't go
0: <laughs> yeah it's like my,
1: my set is in that building <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so it's like it's no fault of anyone really obviously it's a you know a global pandemic unfortunately but mm-hmm. um, I think our ability to problem solve and our ability to you know Kind of guerrilla warfare I way through things is. Mm-hmm. It's good to be this small at this time, to a degree, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, makes the losses very minimal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what are your hobbies outside of uh, your business itself?
1: Um, I'm a pretty hardcore workaholic, so uh, <laughs> my hobby I think <laughs> is working. Oddly enough, um, I'm a huge sports junkie. Obviously, I'm really competitive. Um, so like. me and some of the guys from strange we have like a pickup softball team so we do that uh when the world's open Um, yeah but um I, i play sports and i compete and then me and my girlfriend we have two dogs so um you know we do that kind of stuff but um for the most part um i mean i work an insane amount um whether it's with productions whether it's with gaming whether it's with um you know researching new projects companies ideas uh whatever um, and then other parts of it are helping other people as much as I can too. Um, I'm pretty much always on the go, which it's good because I love to be busy and I love to be moving. Um, mm-hmm. but it's also like, you know, it, it would probably feel good to let off the gas at some point, but I'll worry about that down the road. <laughs> it,
0: yeah. <laughs> once, once everything reopens and we can stabilize, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what are some of your favorite spots in Charlotte? Um,
1: to go eat or to go hang out or Uh,
0: both. Um, typically I get food back on
1: this. (laughs) (laughs) Eat food, though. Yeah. I'm gonna do a little bit of everything. I think the Whitewater Center is a really cool spot. Um, I used to go mountain biking there a ton. Um, they're actually still open for the most part. Um, but I live in uptown now, so we bike or walk most of the places uptown. Um, I think there's an insane amount of good places to eat here. Um, like too many to note. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Like all of South End is just a really cool place to go eat, hang out, and spend the afternoon. Um, We have a ton of really good parks here too and greenways if you're biking or cycling or that stuff and with tons of athletic courts. Um, There's just so much stuff to do here. Um, But, again, I'm a sports junkie, so Charlotte Knights, huge fan of that. Uh, I fed season tickets there, Um, Panthers, basketball, everything. Um, Anything sports, anything competition, anything that can be won. I either want to watch it or I want to win it. Yeah, Um, and then you know for recreational stuff it's you know paintball, mountain biking, any of that stuff, crazy dirt bikes, whatever.
0: Yeah, oh man, dirt bikes. (laughs) Haven't been on one of those in years. I used to (laughs) love doing that stuff.
1: Just unfortunately, we don't have a place too too close. We have Carolina Adventure World, which is just in South Carolina. It's probably about an hour away.
0: Yeah, it's about an hour away. But I didn't know you could uh, take a dirt bike there. So I was like, for me, I was thinking like rentals
1: there too what
0: ok yep. I'm going to look into that next time my friend comes down from West Virginia <laughs> <laughs> cause uh, that's all I used to really do um, outside of sports when I was younger and lived in West Virginia yep. it was get home from school go practice get home you do some riding until the well it was a different time when I was growing up and it was in West Virginia so it's not like the city but we would ride yep. until just after the sunset and then come home yep. but yeah that was that was the life right
1: there there's <laughs> good times i mean that's i grew up racing dirt bikes as well and you know it was i quit racing dirt bikes to stop getting injured to have a better opportunity at sports But <laughs> yeah. uh same thing of like it's just different um and those, those simple times are it's very odd like i'm from a really country town my parents live on like 10 acres so we didn't really have neighbors we i mean i would throw my, my practicing of baseball was throwing a baseball into a trash can from home plate to second base basically doing that like until I didn't miss and then I'd go ride dirt bikes and you know now live in a you know, uptown Charlotte yeah in a massive city <laughs> so it's like always something happening so it's, it's a literal opposite ends of the spectrum it's
0: like where's the next closest park because that's where I'm gonna yeah. find grass <laughs> yeah Um. so w- what is probably your favorite thing about um, our city since you've moved into it
1: um it's growing a lot from a tech scene um i, I always like i joke about it but uh and in complete honesty, like I, I had no if you would have told me i would be here in 2020 i'd probably laughed at you for most of my life mm-hmm. um because charlotte was never a city where like air quote people like me can make it like for me to make it i would have to go to la or i'd have to go to new york like it wasn't an option in my head though i always to me it would mean more if i made it here because like you know, my two options I thought were I'm going to go to LA or New York and I make it, and then I come back here, and I've I've already made it, so it's easy, right? Like yeah, you always kind of have that like oh we had to leave to make it and come back. So I really wanted to give it an honest effort, but you know, as I was coming through and coming of age, like you know Charlotte improved a lot. Like I, I got really fortunate. I worked with an entrepreneurship incubator when I was young, uh, when I was first starting out in college. Um, esports is now growing, and like technology is growing, and uh we obviously have a big banking industry here which mm-hmm. when i was a kid i had like a, a stigma that it was like you know i guess tellers and stuff i don't know i didn't know what, i don't know what i thought it was <laughs> but i didn't think it was what it was but my professional career has taken me down um you know i worked at bank of america and helped uh, work with their mobile app department on all the new features and everything coming to the app which was really cool and state of the art and new and then transition now and I, I worked with a a high-end consulting company, so i get to help transition companies into like the modern era which is something i think is awesome oh, like we do like agile transformations or we build elements for companies um and these are big companies like well, you've heard a lot of their names which is cool um so seeing the city kind of grow and evolve into you know it, on all the lists it's ranked like among the top five places to live in the country it's like us and austin are like two of the most like you know progressive mm-hmm. cool places to live like with stuff to do like the whitewater center and then crazy cool technology and startups and stuff and kind of seeing that culture come here is awesome. It's still not all the way here yet. I think we still got a ways to go in startup culture. Um, That's something that, you know, if it's not there in a couple more years, hopefully I'm maybe one of the ones that pioneers it. Yeah. Um, Because that's something I'm really passionate about. But seeing it get much better. Like when I was a kid, there's no way anyone here could have gotten money to do something crazy, right? Like if you got 10 grand, like you were really lucky. Like if Mm -hmm. people invested 10 grand in something you had an idea of, But now we're getting, like, you know, Team Envious a few years ago was looking at $30 million here. And, you know, we have all these, like, you know, crazy figures that are coming around. And it's, like, it's cool to see our city finally spending money and giving back. And, you know, the entrepreneurs here and the successful companies here and Bank of America and Wells and, you know, they're investing in the area. So it's it's really cool to see it grow and develop and and change into something that I didn't know if it ever would. Um, But I'm very glad that I stayed around and I've got to see it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been interesting since I got here in two thousand six. I think it was because I had to move here my senior year. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I was just like, I had a, a stigma about big cities in the first place, moving from a small town in West Virginia. Yeah, there is no big city in West Virginia, <laughs> yeah. but um, or at least not in a sense like like it is here. winter place is a big city
1: it's got like at least three restaurants yeah
0: at least (laughs) went there like probably what six years in a row that's awesome but um the uh the way it's like uh you were saying just the way it grew is what really like made me break that stigma and fall in love with the city just because it's like the mentality changed to let's help everybody here grew.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something that, I think that's something that, you know, air quote in the South, we do a little better. Um, and I'm hoping that we continue to do. Um, and it's something that, you know, with public transit and the blue line and the silver line and all the stuff coming, um, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I'm certain you'll see that I talk about turning 277 in the river and mm-hmm. uh, shutting down <laughs> half the roads for walkers and bikers. Yeah. Um, but I, I think those things are... Uh, I, I tweeted at our city council the other day and it's something that I, I, I mean very seriously. We're, we're creating one of the biggest cities in the country and it's going to continue to grow. We have so much money from the banks, it, it's gonna be impossible for us not to continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. But we're, gonna, we're at a place now to where we're choosing to either you know, be as cookie cutter as we want or be as you know, state of the art, coolest technology, green tech, sustainable buildings, you know help everyone, bring everyone up. like, like we choose that now. And um, I went to Charlotte um, as well, and I was there for their first year of football. I was the first person in the first ever football game there, which was awesome, right? Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, Which is awesome, right? But, like, one of the reasons that, like, I was just going to go to Charlotte, like, solely to play baseball. Like, that was my only reason for really going there. Um, And they had a good computer science program, so I was like, cool, I'll go here, and I'm going to transfer to NC State, right? But then while I was there, it's like you realize that Like, that university grew a ton while I was there. Um, It went from, like, the mid-teens to the mid-20s in in terms of admissions, which is massive. And it's like, while being there, it was so obvious of, like, you know, when we're at a football game for the first time, obviously, we're making the chance. We're setting the traditions. We're creating this. Like, this is us. Like, in 50 to 100 years, the people cheering in these stands are going to say what we said. Mm -hmm. They're going to do our chance. They're going to do what we're doing. And I think it's really cool that our city is the same way. Like, we're making this city, you know, in the next decade, what it's going to be like for the next hundred years, which is awesome. You can't go to New York and do that. If you go to New York, it's going to be New York. It's been New York for 200 years. Yeah. You go to L.A., it's been L.A. for 100 years, right? Like, you're not, no matter how big you are, like, you know, Bill Gates, you know, if any of those dudes wanted to go, like, if Bill Gates wants to completely revamp Seattle, like, he's a drop in the bucket. Maybe Jeff Bezos could do something. Yeah, I was like, I was like, but. Like, it would take somebody of that magnitude. There's only, like, you know, maybe 10 people on the planet that could make an impact on some of the bigger cities. But we're in a city that's literally building up. Like, anyone's voice can be important. Like, anyone's voice can, you know, name can be on buildings or renamed streets or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Everyone has an equal opportunity to make this city as great as it can be, and that's, that's a lot of power for us, and it's a lot of power for our local government, and that's something, from my end, it's really, really cool to see, and I'm, I'm really happy I've stuck around to see it.
0: Yeah, I actually saw those comments on that you posted to their <laughs> posts, and I was like, I was like, man, I was like, I'm really glad I reached out to this guy because like, because <laughs> I had never really gotten a chance to talk to you. I think I talked to you once yep. for maybe a minute, and uh, but like I saw that, and I was like, yep, these are. I was like, that was definitely a good choice for this podcast, as far as, yeah. far as just the. I was looking for people that I knew were like, in love with this city. They yep. didn't just start because they want to, like you said, to get out to make it. So Yeah,
1: I joke with a lot of people. I think this is true with most industries, right? Like People can be good at a job and people can be good at a sport, um, but, but not everyone chooses that, right? Like, mm-hmm. if people do a job because that's their job, they might not necessarily choose their job. I'm really fortunate that, like, you know, the company I work for, because I, like, about a year ago, a little more than a year ago now, or a little less than a year ago now, rather, Um, I ended my career at the bank, and I did it on my terms. I walked away, and I was just going to retire and um, was going to figure out kind of what I wanted to do next, Um, which is empowering, right? Like, I mean, I'm I'm super fortunate that I get that option, but, like, you know, I I choose the company I want to work for, and I work for them because I want to work for them, not because it's a job, not because it pays me. Like, I work for that company because I, you know, I feel that I can make change. I feel that I can, you know, that company. I feel like I can help other companies by helping my company. Um, same thing with like, you know, esports and everything. Like, I don't do that because I want to make money. I don't do that because I want to get rich. Like, I do that because that's what I want to do. And same thing with the city. Like, I, I live here because I want to live here. Like, I could have moved. I could have went to LA or New York like I'd originally thought I was going to, but like, I've consciously made the choice to live here and I've consciously made the choice to stay here. And I think that not everybody's fortunate enough to have that position mm-hmm. but I think everyone could have that mentality and that level of pride right like even if you can't choose the Charlotte choose Charlotte your city you're here for whatever reason you have to be here you can still make this the best opportunity possible if you may not love your company to death and maybe that's not your end goal but if you make that opportunity amazing and you do the best that you can maybe your next opportunity you choose where you want to work and how you want to work and what you want to work on um and, and that definitely gives you a level of like power and confidence and it's like at the end of the day you feel so much better because you're doing what you want to do it's not like i'm doing i'm doing this thing because it pays the bills now it's like i'm fortunate enough to be in a spot where it's like i'm doing this thing because i want to do it Uh, i want to help these people i want to help my city i want to help you know my friends in this company i want to help these other companies like whatever it is and i i think that i think you do that on any scale you don't have to be super rich or wealthy or whatever you can do that on you know a guy who makes the best coffee probably really loves to make coffee right like mm-hmm. he's probably really passionate about that and you know you can choose you can choose passion and you can choose effort you might not choose what you love but
0: yeah and you're that. gonna get like a lot more out of your your job or like you're gonna get a lot more like self-fulfillment if you take yeah. that up opp- or if you take the opportunity to make that something for sure yeah, so, um, and you just kind of hit on that a little bit, but um, what exactly was it about eSports that drew you uh, into it instead of, like, a bigger industry?
1: But um, a, a good chunk of it is that, uh, like I said at the beginning, it's competition, right? Um, when I was playing baseball, uh, I thought I was pretty good, but I was always, you know, I'm from a small town, so it's like you get that mentality of, like, oh, well, you know, I'm just the best kid on my team. There's mm-hmm. other teams, there's going to be kids better than me. And then like you know there's a few people who are you know the best kid on their team and then it's like oh well you know maybe i'm one of the best kids in the league and then that group gets smaller and smaller and you get to the point where like oh man like i'm actually really good like this is crazy right yeah um but i never really kind of got that mentality of like oh i'm going to be professional like it it was always to me of like i could probably play double a i could probably make it a triple a like i could be i could be really competitive in the minors for me to get to the pros is probably gonna be a little bit of luck though mm-hmm so In doing that it was like you know i obviously just love to compete to play and like i would have probably chosen the path to be a minor leaguer for 10 years and be a lifetime minor leaguer solely because i love to compete and i just that's what i love to do um but that's an option in baseball and then when i kind of gave up uh when i kind of got hurt again and you know quit again and and walked away for the last time um i converted to esports and to me it was like it was a media of like like, because I was your stereotypical jock. Like, I didn't play video games. I knew people who played video games. And, like, you have that stigma, like, oh, they're, they're nerds or whatever. Yeah. But then, like, all the cool kids on the baseball team played it. So it's like, oh, these guys are nerds. These guys are cool kids. Like, yeah, this is weird. Um, <laughs> I didn't know all these people played video games. And, like, even throughout the years, like, some of my buddies from high school that were, like, in a similar boat to me, like, they, like, jokingly now, like, dude, I played WoW back in the day, but I didn't tell anybody. I was, like, <laughs> it's just crazy how it kind of comes full circle. But, um at eSports, same thing, right? Like, you know, in Call of Duty, you're going to have 50 people who are better than everybody else in the world, and it's that 50 people, but there's a lot of other people that want to compete and make a career out of it, and they totally can, but not many people see that. Um, so it's it's empowering to be able to be in an industry that you can see the future to a degree, and you mm-hmm. can see that, you know, some of these kids can hopefully play into their 20s or 30s, like, like we're in a rec softball league for fun with my buddies who had never played baseball before, and we have a blast. Like, If there was, like, you know, imagine in 10, 15 years when there's a rec beer league for League of Legends and it's just you and your buddies and you're not that good, but you're playing because you like to complete and have fun, right? Anything with Call of Duty or whatever. Like, it's cool to be in that industry that's growing. Um, And then, obviously, the competition end. I always kind of, one of my lofty goals in life was to be ownership in a baseball organization in Major League Baseball. Um, And esports is just kind of, you know got swept under that umbrella of like yeah you know i mean if i could have an esports team one day i would you know love to help them win and implore competitive strategies and you know win world championships and anything i can i'm just i I mean i've said it many times but i'm just super competitive yeah uh the industry's always been really fascinating for me and it's a spot where i i feel like i can have a big impact right now and help a lot of people yeah i think it would be a disservice if i didn't
0: definitely making headway in that already so (laughs) (laughs) um so, I know you had said you took a break from baseball to game, yep. right? So, is uh like during that whole time, when you say you took a break, did you end up going back to baseball?
1: No. So, um, well, I got hurt my freshman year of high school. I blew up both my knees. Um, I basically have no cartilage in either knee, and I'm a catcher, or I was a catcher. Um, so I couldn't play in high school. I couldn't play any competitive or any contact sports in high school. But I stayed in pretty good shape. So when I walked on at Charlotte, um. I actually ended up hurting my ankle. I tore some ligaments in my right ankle um, and towards the end of the fall of the season. And at the time, I was still kind of getting back into baseball shape. So it was like, in my opinion, I was still a couple months away. But I was competing with another catcher and he mm-hmm. technically won the job, but he was a scholarship athlete. So like in my mind, it was more of like, I thought I was better, so maybe they chose him because, you know, they pay him to be here, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he was uh, uh, graduating out, so but they were also recruiting for catchers. So it's one of those, like, man, if they bring in a stud, like, I'm just not going to play. And mm-hmm. I don't know that that's the most efficient use of my time because, like I said, like, I want to compete and I want to win. I don't want to ride the bench, um, you know. Yeah. That's maybe not <laughs> the best mentality to have, <laughs> but um, I didn't think that I could provide a whole bunch of value. And, I mean, I also wasn't doing the best in school at the time. Because, uh, you know, I moved to a big city and I didn't know how to study and I wasn't studying. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I kind of transitioned immediately from that into gaming. Like it was, I got hurt and I was still doing team activities and the team played video games. So that's when I started playing. And then one of the other guys on the team was a pitcher. He basically kind of taught me game battles and how to be good and, yeah. you know, what to do in Call of Duty. And then it escalated really quickly. Um, and then from there, like uh when i took a year off uh i took about a year and a half off of gaming um i, I basically like it was it was a cool time of life because i didn't really use social media and like you know when you walk away in like 2010 2011 like you you go away oh yeah awesome.
0: yeah it was like <laughs> delete okay <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no like, one knows who i am <laughs>
1: yep um but i think what you're getting is um i guess to uh you know how did i come to the production world like mm-hmm. how did i build that skill set um, when I, I've always took an in, taken an interest in it, I thought photography and all that stuff was cool. Um, never had a camera or anything like that. Um, at that point, I had like, you know, camera phones. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, 2010, they're not that great. Um, <clears throat> so, one year, um, I, I did business and marketing was one of my majors in college. And I thought that, like, marketing, one thing that maybe <clears throat> always look at things, you know, again, from a competitive sense, like, when I, I did computer science as well. So mm-hmm. one of my best friends, Mark, um, he was much better at me in programming. So when I thought about it, it was like, cool. You know, if I wanna work for Amazon, how do I beat Mark? And I basically realized I can't, right? Like he's better than me. Like he, he's got 10 years of experience basically on me. I can't beat him. Yeah, it's and a little hard I'm, to catch up. Right, <laughs> especially when you're like 19, right? It's like, this kid's a, a legend. He's teaching our teacher stuff. Yeah. Um, when it came to marketing it's like cool like I can be really good at marketing but like you know what's the next step of marketing like oh what if I what if I can composite my own images what if I work with a company so like let me do that let me get a cool internship so I did a cool internship one summer with a company that works with NASCAR so we got to shoot things like Coca-Cola Red Bull the uh, Speed Week um, and all the NASCAR stuff so we had to shoot a whole bunch of cool stuff so I got pretty good at uh, photography from that but in doing that I learned that um, the guy that was my uh, mentor, boss man, whatever, um, he had shot crazy photos throughout the years. Um, he was an awesome photographer. Uh, one of his first apprentices has photos in the Smithsonian. Like, awesome dude, right? Oh, man. Um, is super, super skilled, but he basically does everything in body. He doesn't edit anything, right? Um, and because I guess I like technology and stuff, like I thought the editing part was cool it basically meant that this guy who was way better than me, I could get really close to him with Photoshop. Like, I couldn't yeah. beat him, but I can get pretty close. And then he would always, like, show me these cool ways to do my Photoshopped images for real, which was awesome. But it basically kind of taught me that, hey, I'm kind of good at this. I'm kind of good at this whole editing thing. Um, so then when I kind of came back to gaming, it was like, oh, well, I'm already interested. I already got a camera and all this stuff. So I'm already interested in photography and stuff. Well, let me start doing this video stuff. And then I figured out YouTube and... One of the first thing I did on YouTube um was from streaming I'd met uh one of the guys from Lootbox box Loot Crate. Yeah, Loot Crate, Jesus. Loot Crate. Nah, it's been a long time. <laughs> um but so one of those guys just happened to be in my Twitch chat one night and um he asked like would I be willing to open it on stream and I, I was like, Well, why don't I shoot a video? I can open it on stream, but I could make a video, that'd be way cooler, right? He's like, Yeah, yeah, sure. So like um so I got like a little partnership with those guys and they send they would send it to me a little bit early um or at least maybe i'm closer to the warehouse i got it early yeah they did it early or not (laughs) but um and then i'll make a video like the same day and i release it and one of those videos is the first video i had they got like 10,000 plus views and it was like it was crazy oh Uh, for me at the time it was crazy (laughs) um but so that's kind of like that was kind of my entry to it but it was very like it was just very figuring it out and like I, i think i try to tell a lot of people with photography and videography it's just make something, and then when you make it, and you get to a roadblock, just you can YouTube a tutorial. Like, yeah. I assure you, there's way more now than there was in 2012 and 2013 when I started. I was like, I would do something in Photoshop, and it's like, okay, cool. Like, I made like mm. the Thanos snap image where you like you dissolve. I made yeah. something like that, like kind of different, but it was like basically I was jumping in the air, and my like legs were dissolving, right? But it's like I had no idea how to do it, so it's like I'm gonna figure out a tutorial. And back then, they weren't YouTube tutorials; I had to read a whole like web page about like. Yeah. You know how to speckle these things out. And, <laughs>
0: you gotta go to a forum thread that takes like an hour to go right. through.
1: <laughs> or like, you know, even then, like I would ask, I would have issues. And when I would have like an issue in Photoshop or something, like I would have to ask on Adobe forums. Whereas like now it's like, like yeah, it's hard for me to even think about it now because I just go to YouTube. And it's like, oh, this happened to me. It happened to someone else. They have a video about it. <laughs> yep.
0: I don't even go to Google. I'll go straight to YouTube. How,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, um, but I think that, that curiosity was kind of what got me there. But, um, for all intents and purposes uh, of esports and technology, like, I didn't really start until I was, like, 19. I my first laptop I got in 2010 or 2011, I was 19 years old. And I didn't, didn't really use a computer that much. I used it the most for eBay to sell paintball guns, but mm-hmm. that's really all I knew how to do. I thought technology was cool, and I was going to learn computer science because I thought it would be a useful skill to have, like, knowing how to program in a language would be really useful for my career. Um... Because I kind of thought uh, in the professional side um, in IT consulting, I knew I, would, I was really good at business. So I kind of arrogantly enough was like, I don't need to go to college for business. I already know how to do that. I should go to college for something I don't know so that that makes what I do know better. Yeah. Um, so that now, like, I'll be in business meetings and I know enough about programming to where I can talk to the developers and I can understand that more than most business people. So it, it puts you in a unique position in the market. And I think yeah, that yeah. can be true with esports or anything
0: it's uh at least you had like thought about like why you need like why you wanted to do what you did in college you're like yeah i know this so let me go learn something i don't know because i I feel like if you're gonna go to like post like uh public schooling or private schooling up to 12th grade like that's what you should be going for because more than likely you pick something up before then that you're That you know kind of decent so like you said just add to your skill set
1: yep and I I mean I know a good chunk of people who uh, I know you previously done one of these with Hudson um, and I know a good chunk of people who went to film school and are great videographers uh, directors producers whatever right and they went to film school the professional route and they're awesome right and I know people who are just as good who didn't yeah like that didn't do that that have you know similar accolades similar accomplishments and similar skill sets and they did it with you know maybe at the time they didn't have youtube maybe they read more books than youtube but now i assure you it's easier and faster with youtube um and just you know the internet in general um and that's where i think that you know we're gonna start getting really good video producers who know esports and then they're gonna be dangerous whereas yeah Right now, we have people in eSports that are trying to figure out cameras, and we have people with cameras that maybe don't know a lot about eSports. So we're going to start seeing more of these combination combinations. But like I said earlier, I think now you can still win with effort.
0: <laughs> Sounds like your dogs never hurt my dogs. <laughs> yeah. I tried to catch mine fast enough the second time, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, that kind of wraps up the parts of like questions I had for you. But uh, the next question I have is, were there any other – entrepreneurs local to the Charlotte area that you find interesting
1: um, as far as companies go or people uh, people people um, I mean I definitely think you know everyone over in uh, CLT Esports and all that and I think those guys are doing an awesome job um, I think the spin guys with Rick Suarez I think they're doing an awesome job um, <clears throat> photography wise um, there's Alex uh, Alexander Southend um, it's a couple they take amazing fo- photos they do videography they do weddings um those guys are amazing um uh there's a couple of those like uh mac life yeah mac life uh digital print um 704 clothing uh there's a lot of companies that i try to reach out to and talk to whenever i can Mm. um just as like a hey you guys are awesome in this space you guys are crushing it um or maybe maybe i have advice that i could give them um Unfortunately, I, I used to do a bunch of startup weekends um, and a bunch of like uh, think tanks and incubators and stuff. There's a bunch of really good places. The Packard Place Uptown is really good for that. Yep, Tabris yep. is hopefully going to be, uh, when the world reopens, doing some more stuff around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, I've been pretty heads down recently, so I haven't been able to um, do as much as I want. Um, but there's a lot of those. Um, I'm certain if you saw my Twitter account, CLT Developments, like probably my favorite page right now. Yeah, they basically yeah. just post updates to the city, which I love because it's cool seeing new buildings and skyscrapers and everything coming in. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a ton. Uh, I could I'll, I'll email you a list of okay. my favorite things. Oh, that that's that's even better. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. like
0: uh, I also like to like put that at least for the video description. Um, I mean, I put that on the podcast description, but I don't know how many people yep. actually read that part of it. Um, but I know I've gotten some hits from the, from the YouTube portion sure. of, like, I'll put those people in there and like, people will look them up and it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see that. And plus I'd like to, um, check out their businesses as, as yeah, well as myself. Absolutely. Like the guys over at 704, like you said, crushing it. I've seen them. Yeah. Doing And like awesome. the, the Alexander Southland people, I want to say my sister-in-law and my wife ended up using them for a photo shoot at some point so that was yeah i mean cool.
1: they they crush it they do a great job they actually very weirdly enough live really close to me i think they're about to move but currently they live really close to me so i actually get to see them <laughs> and talk to them every now and again oh man um
0: so uh the uh this point is like where i would open up if you had any questions for me i know we haven't really talked a lot so i of understand yeah.
1: what um i guess what excites you the most about the future of charlotte right now
0: um it's kind of exactly what you were talking about before as far as like the way this city is growing like tech heavy because i love everything technology and so all i've really done in the past is just kind of like read into all types of tech kind of learn the ins and outs of it um so like just as it's growing like i'm hoping that i can maybe find like the place for me that would make sense um and uh when i got in with the clt esports guys like i was like oh yo that is like super awesome so i got into yeah. there and i just i loved that so that that's kind of what i liked about the way the city was growing is it was becoming like such a, a and especially like you said banking so like fintech is just like blowing out of the roof here yeah but that's that's the uh, what i like the most about the city myself
1: if you, uh, it's a question I always like to ask people. But if you had to have a job, but money was no factor. What are you gonna do? Like, what's the, what's the dream? Um, goal?
0: The, um. So it's actually funny that you asked that because um, Hudson just asked that on the last episode, awesome. <laughs> um. And Great I was actually, I, alike, I guess. Yeah, I was, um, kind of surprised. People ask me this off stream whenever I talk to them, or I mean, off camera, I guess I should say. But um, it's actually not too different from what I am hoping to do within CLT eventually or within the space in general of eSports is like content creation management or like social media management that that sort of thing just like just for like what you did for those guys when you they went to the Florida CDL like being able to like help someone market themselves to get that exposure or have that opportunity Like, that's just really cool to me, because there was a uh, friend of mine that I I helped him in marketing himself with his skills, and then he got picked up by this company, and now this guy is having the time of his life, so, like, that was just, like, what I did didn't, like, it wasn't, like, the deciding factor, but it definitely helped get the exposure to him, so I was like, that was just, like, that was awesome.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the situations are cool, because, you know, like you said before, like, you know, there's a good chunk of people who I've, like, you know, in my opinion, definitely helped sway them getting maybe a job or, you know, an opportunity that maybe they wouldn't have got otherwise. But at the end of the day, like, these people are fully capable of it. And I think empowering those people was really cool and unique. And and I think that's what's, you know, that's what's really gratifying is, like, you helping someone enable themselves. It's not like mm-hmm. you're not doing something for them. Like, they, they were already capable. Like, your, your buddy obviously could have done the job. So it's not like yeah, he wasn't yeah. capable. but. You know, maybe he wasn't confident, maybe he, you know, didn't have the right, like, approach, but, you know, getting them in that position to be truly happy is, is something that's always epic and awesome.
0: Yeah, and like uh, I say, like, social media and content creation, because that's kind of just the way things are developing. Yep. So, like, your online presence is going to be a really big part of, like, you making or breaking it in, like, big areas if you're trying to be out there in front of people.
1: So, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, and that's why, like, you know, not too far from that, um, just to kind of give you a, a quick little insight of where we're hopefully heading, uh, heading in the future, is um, Rooster Teeth is kind of like the pioneer of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like their approach. Um, and I kind of want to take something similar to that to esports, is kind of what we're trying to do um, to be able to produce events, to be able to produce commercials, to be able to produce internal content, to be able to, like, you know, work with streamers, work with YouTubers, to do that kind of stuff. Because um, I think, like you said, giving people the opportunity is what matters, right? People at Rooster Teeth, you know, I'm, I would imagine are obscenely happy, I only know one person there, but they obviously love their job, and yeah. I would assume most people there love their job, because it's, you know, if you're on one show there and you want to do something else, you can. Like, if you want to direct a show that's real, you can. If you want to direct an animated short, they'll probably set that up for you, like, yeah, you have the opportunity to be whoever you want to be, and you don't feel trapped. I think that especially in today's world with social media and everything, people will see other people's lives and like you may love your job and you may love, you know, maybe directing films. But you see that guy who's like, you know, an offshore fisherman. You're like, man, I would love to fish every day. That'd be so cool. Mm-hmm. And it's like we kind of get trapped in that like, man, I'm stuck here. And that's where I think having a company that with the option for people to kind of like move around and be fluid and maybe you'd be an actor, maybe you'd be a producer, maybe you'd be a streamer, maybe you're a content manager. Um, you know, you can do what you want to be and you can try it out and, you know, and you said this earlier with education, it's it's challenging for me to justify having an 18-year-old make a $50,000 decision that's going to be for the rest of their life, right? Yeah, yeah. I was fortunate. I knew what I wanted to do and I had a good plan, but I, I get most people aren't. And, you know, most people change majors or they change career paths or whatever. Um, that's where I think, you know, having more companies that allow people to test things out, to try and move and be more fluid – not like lock them in yeah people who go to a company and it's like oh well i'm a i'm a business analyst but i want to be a project manager oh well we're going to hire a project manager we're not you're not a pm it's like (laughs) dude just give the kid a shot man
0: it's like it's it's you would rarely take a loss in letting that person take a shot versus hiring like straight out the gate like just put it out there it's crazy to me it's like hey you know we're thinking about having this position or this position is coming open anyone would like to you know, take a shot come sit down with us and we'll talk it out sure so uh, I guess I, my, my last question is always like if you had any plugs or promotions um, I didn't know if you had any more than that
1: Um, no I mean uh, just check out the we have Strange Gaming on Twitter and we also have Strange Production our two main ones um, on Twitter and Instagram both um, mm-hmm. my stuff's all Dylan Snott it's my name um and then, you know, within Strange we have all of our guys. So, you know, I mentioned before Mark pullover he's basically our like our technical technical wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have, you know, Tumbleweed Kepley and Predator and a whole bunch of other guys that do a bunch of stuff. And then we have our streamers and a whole bunch of other guys. So just check out Strange Game and you'll see everybody on there. Um check out those guys. Um, like you said, you'll see, you know, hopefully new faces, more faces all around mm-hmm. all the time. Um, we'll be at a lot more local stuff and then hopefully the world reopens it'll be a little bit a little bit less local stuff yeah <laughs> alrighty uh, well thanks
0: for uh, being a guest on the cast and uh, everybody this is Brother Jack signing now